Hey everybody and welcome. You are listening to Lox LaRue's Locker Room. Join me each episode with a different special guest. We'll be breaking the locks off toxic masculinity one locker at a time. On this episode, I'm joined by the camp and colourful Carrot. Carrot is a drag performer and host. They are also the creator of The Envy Show. Today we talk about being non-binary in the performing scene. We also talk about toxic masculinity in the form of cis white gay men, the gender binary and misogyny, as well as the importance of celebrating femininity rather than parodying it. Please note that the conversations between me and my guests are purely based on our own thoughts and experiences. Now with all that in mind, sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, and just before we start, here is the lesson in Masculinity 101. During the rise of Shakespearean and theatre culture in the 1500s and 1600s, we see the start of what now may be commonly referred to as drag. With many female roles in theatre and only men allowed as actors, men would frequently impersonate women on stage. During the following centuries, drag was used predominantly as a man-in-a-dress humour gag. Moving into the 20th century, the rise of vaudevillian cabaret became the next notable transition for drag culture. From the 1930s, LGBTQ plus culture started to become more closely linked with drag culture. During this time period, there was a division among queer white men. You were either a masculine guy who blended in, or you were a fairy, feminine and dressed in drag. Hey everyone and welcome back to Lox LaRue's Locker Room. Today I'm super excited because I've got with me the camp, the colourful, the charismatic and captivating Carrot. Oh, so many cars. I love it. So Those many cars. Hello. Hello. How are we I doing? Call, I didn't call you the C word as well, so that's all good. Oh, for once. <laughs> for once. Makes a change. <laughs> so yeah, how, how are you? I am very well, thank you. So um I was I was gonna start with um just getting a bit of background information from you for the listeners, um, just about you as a performer, because obviously you are called Carrot, so the kind of the clues in the, the, the title, isn't it? So could you just say in a couple of words or sentences, um, for people who have been introduced to you for the first time, a bit about your fabulous drag and performer self. Of course, yeah. So I'm Carrot. I call myself a drag vegetable. Um, and I do drag that is pretty androgynous, non-binary, mo- leaning maybe a little bit more towards the femme. And um, I sing live and host and compare with the occasional character lip sync and produce a lot of cabaret and queer shows around London mostly but trying to branch out across the UK as well so that's me that's you and um yeah I wanted to from what we've just said then pick apart a few of the things that sounds quite intense doesn't it (laughs) (laughs) no I like it yeah pick me apart (laughs) um so let's start considering it is pride month well it's not anymore is it but let's just pretend that we are recording in pride month um, I'll edit that out. <laughs> um, so um, since it's like Pride um, season, I wanted to talk a bit about your 
um, so you're singing first, so about your your song choices, because from what I've seen, um, I know you'll be able to tell us a bit more as well, you've done songs like um, It's a Sin, The Pet Shop Boys, you've also done um, Mika, uh, Grace Kelly, so do you think there's like a, a running theme with your um, song choices, because obviously you linked with um, how your, your drag drag and performing style is or do you think it's kind of like how you're feeling at the time I'll let you answer this one yeah it's a good question actually I think with a lot of my drag like it's all about I just do what I want to do um you know it's the same with like what I wear or what I what type of makeup I do I'm not trying to fit into any sort of boxes or you know yeah I'm not trying to fit into anything that people expect I'm just doing what I want to do basically so that's my song choices I just choose songs that I like and want to do um and then obviously when I'm considering doing songs I'm always thinking about like I obviously would prefer to do songs by queer people or, or that feature queer themes um and then obviously stay away from songs that are maybe not for a person like me to perform. Yeah, because you've got um, some cracking vocals, which I've, I've heard in, in person and also um, on Instagram a lot. You do recordings as well, don't you? Um, and you obviously play the piano. Is that right? I do. Yes, sort of. I do. I'm not very good at it. I taught myself when as a teenager and I still do it now and then no i think i think it's wicked um so with um in terms of like um crowd response then um i know you said you've performed in like queer spaces and pride but as we all know at pride we can get lots of straights there as well so um mm. how would you say whether it's hosting or with singing like with song choices um how would you say um that's gone down if we're sort of looking at the angle more so from like um i guess the straight and stuff or you found it's mainly been received well or you felt comfortable performing if that makes sense yeah i think that um that when people see me they are uh, well i don't think this i didn't think this from what people have told me what they when they see me they don't they don't know what to expect or they don't expect it to be good i always have people coming up to me after shows being like oh my god you you could you can actually do this you're actually good oh my god you you can actually sing wow i'm like yes that's why i'm doing this as my job <laughs> it's really <laughs> annoying but also you know I, in some ways, I don't blame them for it because it's it's the industry, the society that we're in. Um, platforms a certain type of drag in the mainstream, and people don't expect to see anything different. So obviously, they're going to be surprised when they do. Um, and but I just feel like it's important to tailor what you do to whatever crowd you're in front of. And what you're going to do to whatever crowd you're going to be performing to so if i'm doing essex pride for example i'm probably not going to do like a really intense political number 
about uh, being non-binary, I'm probably going to do the Pet Shop Boys and like a camp reveal. Does it make it any less political? Not in my opinion, no. You have to just tailor it to the crowd and what's going to get the response, the same response almost out of that crowd as it would, you know, a queerer number from a, a, que a queer crowd. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's really, um, that's really useful to know actually and actually yeah i agree um and do you know when you said about um the responses then that you got was that like from a mixture of people like queer and straight people i know you can't always assume but um or is it just like from different specific sort of audience or just like everyone people in general it's from i mean usually in my experience um not to generalize but um you know gay men and oh, okay. uh and then just like yeah straight people who are like seeing drag for the first time in real life and then like oh so it's not like that stupid tv show oh yeah that's that should not be named yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so maybe yeah people's sort of perceptions are from um that and also with the the gay men that's slightly a bit more interesting in the sense that obviously you wouldn't because a lot of the time um when i've been speaking to my straight friends i've said oh you can there can be like issues and problems like within the the queer community as well and obviously the straights are like oh really you wouldn't think that and it's like um yeah there is um so do you think that it's kind of like um do you think that people i know you probably obviously you can't read people's minds but do you think that responses that you get obviously you'll get some good ones as well but if we focus on the on the more um not so good for a minute um do you think that's more so from like what they've been conditioned to with the tv or do you think it's just general like obviously with a lot of um gay men i've experienced like femophobia before yeah i mean i think like because you know i don't necessarily what i barely ever wear a wig and i and i'm not trying to look like a woman and that even sounds really archaic coming out of my mouth there to me but to a lot of people that's what drag is still they don't see they still don't see drag as anything else or understand that even drag kings exist or like that there is a variety to drag they still see it as a man in a dress. Um, this binary, which we just need to break out of, I think, in drag and out of drag, um, you know, that's just such a old way of looking at it. And it's it doesn't fit anymore. It doesn't work anymore. It used to be funny. It used to work. And that's fine. And that doesn't mean that we can't respect that and be happy that that existed and exists. Um, but it's important to not generalize and have that as the only way of seeing drag. And I think, you know, gay men, a lot of, th this is the problem in drag and the queer community in general, is that queer spaces are um, revolved around mostly cis gay men and then within that mostly white so it's like how do we 
and these spaces have existed for years like 20 30 years a lot of them for these people so there's this sort of question going around at the moment in my um sort of field and community and the way that i'm producing about how do we want to break into those spaces and i i try trying to say that in the least like you know con confrontational way possible but is it like we're trying to expose those people to like different types of drag and get them to understand it or are we better off trying to make more spaces elsewhere and just leaving them <laughs> to have what they've got because although what they've got is not inclusive of everyone and doesn't work for everyone it works for them and that that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have that space just because it doesn't work for everyone that doesn't mean they shouldn't have it so yeah i've gone on a bit of a tangent there but i feel like it's it's important to book diverse lineups as much as we can um but like certain spaces should maybe be left as they are or are perhaps beyond redemption is <laughs> a ni less nice way of putting it <laughs> yeah that no, that's really interesting thank you for um talking about that and i know you've just mentioned about um different spaces um and that you what you're providing as well so would you be able to tell us a bit about um your shows because as fabulous as they are i'm really glad i got to see uh one of them in person as well recently mm -hmm. yeah so yes. do you think you created i know i'm just interrupting it you you one of the reasons you think you created um those shows was one of the reasons you've just said about there not being that many diverse um lineups in shows and stuff yeah i think like there there have been like all non there's been a non-binary show that existed before um i created this one but there hasn't really been anything else like that and i always think like it blows my mind if you can have like a million fucking white drag queen shows across london every night and they all sell tickets and all the gays come along then why can't you have more than one bloody drag king night or like alternative drag night at a time it's like people need to just expand what they're going to see um but yeah <clears throat> so i created the envy show which was i saw as a space for performers who don't necessarily fit into what people's normal understanding of what drag is can go either that or they they just i mean there isn't really a rule because we're non-binary and that would be stupid to put like a whole like rule on it like yes you aren't allowed and you're not allowed um but we kind of just created it as a space to platform voices that need platforming who do not conform to the binary of gender whether that's through their performance or through in their life um so that's why we created the envy show i was gonna actually um 
see what you think of this actually i was going to leave it but we'll we'll i'll bring it up because um i think it might be an interesting uh conversation basically it's related to what we've been talking about so i don't know whether mm. you've got any like um thoughts on you know people say oh the reason why i do drag is because um i want to celebrate women and i i want to you know dress as a woman yeah it's an interesting one because the i can definitely understand it and i and it's definitely valid and a reason to do drag absolutely 100 percent. yeah is to is that you love celebrating women and you love to um you know dress up like women and that fabulous femininity is powerful and that's gorgeous it's just important that then it doesn't become that you're parodying it especially if you are a cis man um to parody femininity then we start to have a problem because obviously femininity is and and you can go for hyperfem and that's like challenging you know the expectations of gender but at the same time it's just important that we don't cross the line of misogyny one last point then before we finish um i was hoping we could just briefly um quickly talk about one of your acts maybe um yes that either well I, i'm guessing a lot of your acts probably do this but explore like um well either celebrate being non-binary or challenge um you know gender gender ideals that have been conditioned and stuff i know one of one act that i saw um from your instagram was lisa simpson which um did that quite well we can talk about lisa if you lisa like lisa simpson well, not uh, spoke about that before how how iconic yeah because um <laughs> i've got yeah i've got a lisa simpson badge um pin badge random but um i do like she's <laughs> always been quite an inspirational tv character i think um yeah so, yeah t- can you tell us a bit about um that act um then so i wanted to produce a night of um simpsons themed drag and so i did and uh, <laughs> i cast myself as lisa um because she's just got so many iconic moments in the show right and i created this act it was it was actually really hard it's difficult because it's like when you're creating a simpsons act you have to decide like are you gonna paint yourself or are you gonna do the whole yellow thing and you're gonna get like wear the bodysuit and do all that anyway what i decided in the end is that i was going to be myself as in carrot but in a lisa costume or a lisa you just need the signifiers there to understand what character it is i think right yeah um I think you don't need to paint yourself all yellow, especially because I'm not very good at makeup at the best of times. So me trying to do a whole like yellow thing and then like, it would just be a mess. I just feel like it would be a disaster <laughs> um, and not in a fun way. <laughs> so yeah, when I was creating the act, I was trying to think of a, a way to do it. The thing is when you're doing a TV character, you want to try and you either are like going to tell a big story from their whole career or you're going to pick out a song and then put quotes in it, or you're going to tell a small story. And I chose to pick an episode of The Simpsons. It was, it's the one where she makes a Malibu Stacey doll. And 
you know, I was just I just watched through clips of the uh, the episode and picked out some themes and bits. There's a lot there about sort of empowering little girls and feminism. And um, so, yeah, I did a little call out to people and said, what's what's a female empowering songs, in your opinions? People gave me some suggestions. I used a few of the suggestions and made the act, basically. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. And I saw like some clips on, on it on Instagram as well. And I think it's good that it kind of um, challenged, um, well, this is how I interpreted it, challenged like, you know like gender ideals and sort of like what society thinks you know is like obviously femininity and um stuff like that so is that kind of right what I've interpreted well I don't know it's interpretation isn't it (laughs) yeah no definitely I mean I um I just wanted to make a tribute to the character and um and to do it justice for the fans that of the Simpsons that would be coming to see the show and that was what was important for me and whilst while doing that whilst not sacrificing my own artistry and having to paint myself yellow blah blah blah. um so that's some more of the story then (laughs) yeah so basically well it kind of ties into what we were saying before is about creating something that satisfies your crowd without sacrificing yourself or your artistry yes that's and i think that's a good way to end don't you i do actually yes yeah i think i've learned something there <laughs> well thank you very much carrot for coming onto the podcast um i think we've all learned a lot today i definitely have um so we will see you all soon listeners and bye carrot see you later I would like to thank Carrot for coming onto my podcast today. If you want to catch more of Carrot, then check out their Instagram handle in the episode description. If you do feel like leaving a review, please do so. Thank you for listening to Loxlaroo's Locker Room. And make sure to follow me on Instagram at Loxlaroo. Bye. Okay, so let's go. Recording in progress. Did you hear that as well? Oh my God. <laughs> yes. I got it. Uh, it's a bit weird, wasn't it? But, um, yeah. <laughs>